0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent interviews and guests that we featured on JM in the AM. We'll start with Sivan Rahav Meir, the Israeli journalist, is in the United States for the year 5780 in the role of uh, Shlichut uh, to this country. We had an opportunity to catch up with her and discuss how life is here in America, and how she's maintaining her work in Israel. Sivan Rahav Meir, a recent guest on JM in the AM. Here she is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, many of you in this audience are familiar with the name Sivan Rahav Meir, an amazing uh, Israeli media personality. In fact, uh, Globes magazine a couple of years ago called her the most popular female media personality in Israel. Uh, the magazine also had her as one of the 50 most influential people in Israel. The Jerusalem Post cited her as one of the 50 most influential Jews in the world. Wow. Uh, she's auth- For us, she's author of the book Hashtag Parsha, <laughs> because it's something that we are uh, studying with our family every single week. And she, of course, has been well known for her weekly Parsha Tashavua presentation in Israel. Many of you are familiar with the fact that Mizrahi, the amazing... World Mizrahi Organization, under the leadership of our Rav Daron Peretz, uh, asked Sivan Rahav Meir and her media personality husband, Yedidya Meir, to come to the United States for one year on Shlichut. And they are literally here in the U.S. as we speak, and her weekly HaShavua, um a presentation is given at Stern College in Manhattan every single week. Sivan Rahav Meir, shalom and welcome to JM in the AM.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for exaggerating.
0: <laughs> how, how, oh, how are you? I don't know if it's any exaggeration, frankly. Your, your career is skyrocketing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing watching you go. We're so curious. We're so curious how you and Yadidia and your family have adjusted over the last couple of months to life here in the New York area. What's it been like? Well,
1: wow, wow. first of all, now this morning we really adjusted. Nachum Stiegel is interviewing me now. I'm, I'm really, you know, part of the <laughs> part, part of the community. <laughs> <Thank> uh, <you. laughs> um, the truth is, we're still learning every day. It, it's fascinating. I mean, I never thought, you know, we came here to to give lectures, to give shulim, to to teach, also to learn. I had no idea learning will be much more. Uh, I would say meaningful than teaching. Every day, we we discover something new about American Jews. Um, I'm really impressed, by the way I must tell you I, I, I learned so much about the communities you, you built here, the schools the shuls How, I would say in Israel it's natural, like being a Jew you feel it right. Although you, of course we all have to work hard but it's part of the atmosphere you, know? you feel Yom Kippur here if you don't do something you know, nobody will bring Simchat Torah to you you have to, work, you have to create your community you have to work hard on your Judaism, you know, know, when you're Yiddishkeit, And here, it's fascinating really. Every day there's something new at Stern College. Here we live in Five Towns. We were in Manhattan, Maryland um, and and in Canada, Maryland uh, many many places. I mean we really visit a lot of communities and trying to, you know, learn as much as we can.
0: Now um, you have children, uh, you know at a variety of ages how are they adjusting to this experience?
1: (laughs) First of all, we asked them, we're not so crazy. We, we sat together in Israel and Yerushalayim, you know, where we really live, and we asked them, uh, do you want to, what do you think about this adventure? When, when the world Mizrahi came up with the idea of Abdurrahman Peretz, you mentioned him, uh, he has a lot of new things he's, he's arranging. The Mizrahi movement is really becoming, I think, oh, yeah. more and more, more relevant, especially today oh, yeah. with, with his leadership. So when he came with this idea of moving to, for a year, you know, to the States, we gathered the whole family gathered, and the kids said that the that the coolest thing they ever heard. I mean, they they really really wanted to be a part of this mission of this task, this this shlichut. Otherwise, I think we, we want to, we haven't we we wouldn't do it. So basically, um, they are. I, I I want to tell you something, and maybe it's a message for those who consider aliyah. In a way, it's much much easier for the kids than for us. I mean, I see them. You know, after, they call it Nes Chanuka. Are you familiar with the, with the phrase? They call it, like, the Hanukkah miracle. Yeah. So, it, many people, not, not the real miracle, they say, many uh, parents, I ask ma- many parents, they say, uh, on Hanukkah, they will speak English. They right. will be, you will see something, Will you know, I want to tell you, you can even talk about Nes Cheshvan, before Hanukkah. Right. Um, the way they're treated here, the community, the warm hospitality, the kids, you know, in their classes, they really treat them well, and they—they, it's—I think kids adjust much faster. And I, I want to tell you that they—they they even told me a sentence a few days ago: "Ima be America be tsefer kef. Ah! Should I translate? <laughs> yes. It, "Ima be America be at school is fun." Yeah. I told them yeah, <laughs> yeah because at the, at the beginning of the year I told them. We don't really care about the grades. <laughs> right. Uh, you only study the Mudei Kodesh and as much as you can learn English. But you know, I don't really ask him to to know American history.
0: Right. When there's no bagrut, it's really fun, right? Uh, <laughs> S- <laughs> yeah. Sivan Rahav Mayer. Is with us, but he writes. Daniel Gordis writes that in his first book, if I'm not mistaken, about Hanukkah uh, being the the time when he realized that his kids had adjusted well enough to Israel to actually want to stay there. So it's interesting you say that. I guess it works in reverse as well when you say that by Hanukkah your kids will be able to speak yeah, English. I, I don't
1: want to compare. I mean, they miss Israel. Yeah. We miss everything. We miss not only the holy places. It's, I thought I will miss the Kotel. Okay, that's obvious. I think I miss being Umar. You know, right. I miss I miss I miss right. everything. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's at the cottage. We really, it's our homeland. But yeah, it's, it's it's, for us inspiring to know there's. Such a huge, important community here. Look,
0: they don't have Shalom Falafel in the five towns. It's as simple as that, you know. <laughs> now, I was told that once Harav Peretz, and by the way, you're so... When you come into this studio, and one day I hope you'll come in here for an hour and we can really talk about things for a while, but th- then we'll spend some time talking about how he took a completely dead Mizrahi organization, and I'm sorry to say it like that, and has brought it to such vibrant life. It's unbelievable, but that's for a different day. But I was told that once the announcement was made... Within days, there were 300 requests by communities in the United States to have you and Yadidia visit them for a Shabbat or during the week. Is that an exaggeration or is that what happened?
1: But I, I was shocked, too. And it showed me, you know, how, how connected we are, how people are interested. Because if, if, the communities, maybe some of them heard about me, but some of them just heard there's a journalist coming from Israel, an Orthodox, uh, journalists, we want to hear. And it's really flattering, not in the personal, you know, they, it's not me. It's, it's our, I would say, our deepest connections, our uh, identity, our heritage. A lot of communities reached out to us, and I do want to say, we will not be able to, you know, to come to every show, although... Um, The smallest that are really writing these letters, it's really touching, but um, I will not be able to come physically anywhere. People are really invited, you know. They really, I think, should follow if they're interested everywhere. I mean, on on Facebook, we we broadcast live the weekly shiur at Stern College. You know, we're there every Tuesday night in Manhattan. Um, You can see it live on my Facebook, YouTube. I mean, the people there, why you people are working hard in order to reach, you know, American Jews. All over. If you're not physically in Manhattan and it's okay, you can watch for from Jerusalem or from Kansas. It, it, so, it, uh, it
0: must be difficult, though. I mean, you had such a following, a physical following in Israel, and to have hundreds and hundreds and sometimes more, and sometimes even the president of Israel coming to your Shiur and then wondering what it's going to be like in Manhattan. Are you getting those types of numbers here as well? <laughs>
1: We do not have one thousand people. It's like attending. It's okay. First of all, it's a lesson to to your ego. I think <laughs> anything we By the way, you you study everything. I study here. I think teaches me about um in Israel. I don't want to brag, but even as a mother, you know, in the class, I was like the mother, the strong mother in the in the WhatsApp group, telling the mother when we'll I will do this, deciding, you know. And here I'm like the nebuchadnezzar mother. You know, how is your Yiddish, You know, <laughs> the, the slow mother asking all the, the embarrassing questions. Should we bring a snack? Should we bring a... Are you sure there's a niche check? Sounds quite weird. Okay, so you do a nit check and I should bring a snack. White shirt. What is PTA? What is 3-1-A? You know, they don't teach it when you learn English. They don't teach you all these. Once uh, a woman in uh, the WhatsApp group here wrote uh, G.M., TM. I'm like, what? TM, it's tomorrow. GM is good morning. P M. private message. And PLZ, if my teacher, you know, in Israeli high school, I can't write PLZ. I see, I see my teacher. She will yell at me.
0: <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, you know what you remind me of, by the way? When my sister uh, made Aliyah and her, her first child was born in Israel, so she got a notice once he went to school, she got a notice that there's going to be a field trip. So she's thinking like an American mother. You know, they're going to go to a museum. They're going to go to a few exhibits, you know, a field trip. And, and she, she didn't realize that in kindergarten there'll be a 30-kilometer hike, and that's the way it works in Israel, you know. So you remind me about the difference in culture with that. Uh, are you able – you know, we love – listening to your show with you before we start on friday morning because your show in israel is on just until well when the clock was regular when it was a seven hour difference uh, your show ended at six o'clock eastern time on friday morning are you still able to maintain the show on a weekly basis
1: yeah not only on a weekly basis my husband every morning he has a morning show for radio call here where we live we brought the equipment today's very simple so we basically have a radio station here in the middle of, you know, Five Downs. And every morning he has a show, Yedidia, uh, broadcasts from here and then goes to sleep. You know, he finishes with the morning show right. and then he goes to sleep. Right. And, then, and, then, and then we have the weekly show, show, of course, on Galei Tzal every Friday. Um, we share, you know, once again, people are really interested in you. I mean, you personally, but American Jews. Right. We talk a lot. We talk a lot about, about the experiences here People are not so aware, you know, to the differences, the cultural differences, um, the bonds, what you feel towards us. We talk a lot about it. At first, I thought, oh, who will be interested? Why, let's talk about guns. Let's talk about Netanyahu. Right. And I see, I read all the feedbacks, reactions, you know, people really want to hear about this experience here. So for us, you know, it's, it's not, it's all, also telling the Israelis What's going on here abroad, and what are you facing here?
0: How many people here ask you if there's going to be a prime minister in Israel?
1: Wow. <laughs> my kids, uh, when I came back, you know, I, I went to Israel, covering the election, voting and covering the elections. And when I came back, the kids asked, Mommy, we think you're going to fly again in three months, right? Yeah, so, uh, exactly. <laughs> basically, one, of, one of my kids told me, he said, Mommy, I know we're the only democracy in the Middle East. But aren't we a little bit
0: exaggerating with that democracy thing? <laughs> too, too many <laughs> elections, yeah. right? Too many elections. I love too it. Too many, too many. Sivan, before you go, and, and look, I really hope we'll have a chance to sit down and, and do this for because uh, I have so many questions to ask you. Uh, but I, 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 I must tell you, and it, my family will not admit it because they think I'm crazy every time I take out the book, but we love your book, Hashtag Parashat. It has so many wonderful insights. I'd have to ask you before uh, you leave us today on this erev, Sh- almost erev Shabbat parsha's Noach. What was he? Was Noah a good guy? Not such a good guy. How do how do you view a Noah as a personality?
1: Wow. Um, first of all, it, it, it dep- it's always it depends what uh, what's the comparison. If you compare him to Avraham Avinu, that's our model. We do not say Noah Avinu. We say Avraham Avinu, because Avraham, uh, like all of us, was a shaliach. We are all shlichim. Even if the Mizrahi movement, you know, does not come to you and tell you you are a every Jew is a Shalich And Avraham Avinu started the shlichut movement in our world. So, of course, if you compare him to Avraham, he was, uh, was, you know, was, uh, he's the role model. But if you compare him to his awful, awful, corrupted generation, of course, he's a tzaddik. But let me, um, if you mention my book, Hashtag Farah thank you for that, let me just I will tell you that uh, this kab Hashem, a new book is coming up Ooh. in English Ooh. with Art Scroll. They will publish our book about Rabbi Yaakov Edelstein of Blessed Memory, Our Rab from Israel. We wrote a book in Hebrew and it is translated into English right now. I mean, as we speak, Ezra Hashem, uh, you will have a new book for Hanukkah to your family fantastic
0: now we kn- now we know when we can get together and have a full length conversation that's fantastic <laughs> um, alright so the lectures are open to the public at Stern College if people want information about bringing you to their community you and Yadidya they can contact the Mizrahi anything the Mizrahi office
1: just google my name and see my site the internet site and uh, you know move forward from there all the information is there the
0: lecture schedule it's all there right yeah Tadara Bah, Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank
1: you very much. Have a good
0: day. A, pl- a pleasure. Sivan Rahab Meir, everybody. There she is. The book, as she just described, is coming out before Hanukkah. Hopefully we'll finally have that opportunity to sit down with her for an hour, and I'll get a chance to ask her all those questions that I want to ask, and she'll have an opportunity to discuss uh, her recent projects, including... That brand new book, Sivan Rahav Meir. Check her out online. The book is called uh, the the book I'm referring to is Hashtag #Parsha. It really is uh, uh, filled with a lot of wonderful DeVray Torah on a uh, Parsha schedule, which you will see uh, when you check it out. That was my conversation with Sivan Rahav Meir, a recent guest of ours on JM in the AM. Next up is Yoni Ratchesdorfer. He is uh, one of the uh, chairmen of the uh, event this coming. Saturday night on behalf of Azer Mitzion, the evening of heroes that's taking place in Teaneck, New Jersey. We encourage everybody to be there and enjoy a phenomenal night. Dr. Yoni Ratzersdorfer, a recent guest on JM and the AM, here on JM Rewind on the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, many of you are, first of all, uh, I'm sure that many of you um, uh, have been following, because we've been paying a lot of attention to it, uh, the Azer Mitzion organization. We, we spent a lot of time in September... Uh, with Azer Metzion's sponsorship, um, uh, speaking about their efforts. And then, of course, we had the big golf ball challenge between myself and Miriam al Wallach. And uh, you may remember we did an amazing live show from the Azer Metzion headquarters in Israel. Plus, we had the uh, Evening of Heroes that we did in Englewood, New Jersey, a few months back. That was unbelievable. Now there's an Evening of Heroes taking place for the Teaneck, Bergenfield, and New Milford community in New Jersey. It's an Evening of Heroes and an Evening of Inspiration, November the 9th beginning at 7.30. Support the world's largest Jewish bone marrow registry. Uh, go to eveningofheroes.com, eveningofheroes.com. Not only will you be treated to an amazing presentation about the work of Ezer Mitzion and meet some of the donors and some of the recipients, etc., cetera, with, with some amazing stories, uh, but you'll also have a musical havdalah with Shalom Lemmer, and you'll have a fireside chat when I get to speak uh, in front of everybody with Brett Stevens, the amazing journalist uh, and the commentator. With us live via telephone is Dr. Yoni Ratzersdorfer, who's a co-chair of the event happening November the 9th in Teaneck, New Jersey. Dr. Ratzersdorfer, welcome to JM in the AM.
2: Hi, good morning. How are you?
0: A pleasure to speak with you. When did you first get involved with Azer Mitzion?
2: Uh, It was a few months ago. It was a couple
0: weeks before the
2: Englewood event. Um, I was in touch with Ryan and because my wife works in Mariah in Englewood, and we were in touch with Ryan and we uh, were really excited about the event they were having there, and so we wanted to try bringing something to TNAC.
0: Um, How impressed are you with their work? It, it, it's almost impossible not to be impressed because of the speed and efficiency with which they add to the bone marrow registry. Tell me your impressions having seen them over these few months.
2: I think it's amazing. I know that now they're up to over a million samples, you know, in the Jewish registry that they have, which is tremendous, as the largest one in the world. It's amazing the arrangement they have with the Israeli army, getting all of those soldiers, you know, into the registry as they enlist in the army, who are going to be donors, you know, for many, many years. They're young, they're healthy, they're genetically diverse. So being able to find matches for Jews from all over the world and anybody from all over the world is truly amazing.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Dr. Yoni Ratzesdorf is with us, co-chair of the event, November the 9th um this is an interesting combination you have and and again you were at the Englewood event so you you know what a lot of this has to uh, you know uh, you you know how inspiring a lot of this is going to be uh you hear these incredible stories coming out just for that is pretty amazing you've added and your committee has added Shulam Lemmer who's you know one of the most talked about singers of the day and then Brett Stevens who's an amazing friend of the community and somebody whose opinion a lot of people really really care about he's going to be part of of the evening as well, I I, I guess is really something for everybody on November 9th, right?
2: Absolutely. You know, we have the inspiration of Sean Lemmer and the singing and the Havdalah. We have Brett Stevens, certainly for his commentary, which is always insightful. Um, You know, getting to meet soldiers who are donors, getting to meet recipients, hearing about their stories, having gone through the experience. I donated bone marrow stem cells many years ago, the first year I was married. Wow! Um, And it was a tremendous uh, opportunity and experience.
0: Um, can I ask about your personal experience? Do you know details sure. about, about the recipient, et cetera, or is that something you wouldn't know?
2: No, that I don't want to talk about,
0: the right. recipient details. No, I, I understand, but I'm saying that's something you're familiar with. Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a gentleman in his 60s who had, mm-hmm. had leukemia.
0: Wow, um, amazing. And, and, you and you were it able to... And you were able. Yeah, it
2: was a desperate situation. To...
0: Unbelievable! Uh, it's just incredible. And these soldiers, these young soldiers, some of whom will meet on November 9th at their tender young age, have this opportunity and actually go through the process to save someone's life. I can't even begin to think what that's like. You know, being on the giving end, the recipients' end. I can only imagine the elation that they and their family have when their life is saved. Obviously, but the giving end Certainly. of this of this whole thing must be simply remarkable uh yeah a lot of people by the way you know we we have an impressive lineup november 9th everybody after all brett stevens shalom lemmer but the soldiers might might be the they may steal the show frankly because absolutely (laughs) everyone loves paying tribute to jewish heroes and they're going to be the most heroic people in the room that night am i correct
2: (laughs) for sure for sure soldiers who have had an opportunity to defend you know israel certainly and then chance to save lives of people around the world you know in a totally different sense it's
0: Absolutely amazing and inspiring. You know, it's funny, uh, Dr. as you tell the story of being involved the, in this program, uh, essentially from before the Englewood program. At the Englewood program, people approached me and said, how can we get this in our community? They literally learned about it that night. With that in mind, I'd like you to appeal to everybody out there, whether they're in the Teaneck area or not, come on out on Saturday night, November the 9th, because they themselves may want to bring something as inspiring like this to their own community. And, I, again, as somebody like yourself who was unfamiliar with Azer Mitzvah before the whole Englewood thing started, I think you could appreciate that just being at an event like this could really spur people on to get involved.
2: Absolutely. It's totally inspiring. Certainly the whole PNAC, Bergenfield, New Milford community, we really hope to see everybody November 9th, Saturday night, 730 at Ketit Torah, and anybody from all over the community. You know, we want to see everybody there. We can certainly help try to arrange bringing events to other communities if people feel as
0: inspired as we did after the Englewood experience. By the way, this is happening at Congregation Keter Torah, officially starting at 730 Um, And, and again, all these elements, IDF Heroes, Shalom Lemmer, Brett Stevens, etc., this is is officially a free event. I'm not even kidding when I say that. Officially it's free. Obviously we want everybody to give as generously as possible and support the cause, and I think after you see the program, you're going to want to give as generously as possible. But it's literally being put together that you can just walk in and attend as a free event. So check it out. Go to eveningofheroes.com. Eveningofheroes.com. You'll be impressed with the committee uh, members and the long list of people in the community who are involved, and you will be impressed with the lineup and all the different things that are planned for that evening. It's going to be something extra special. Eveningofheroes.com. One of the co-chairs is uh, Dr. Yoni Ratzesdorfer. And, Doctor, we thank you very much for taking time this morning to remind our community how important an event this is.
2: Thank you, Nelson. I hope to see everybody there. Again, eveningofheroes.com to learn more
0: and to RSVP. 100%. Eveningofheroes.com. And, yes, we do want to see everybody there, even if you're not in <clears> t <throat> Excuse me. Even if you're not in t And they will have changed the clock by then. There's time to travel Saturday night next week. Even if you're not, because we changed the clock this coming Sunday morning. Even if you're not in t coming come on out. You will see something and experience something that's unique and amazing. I think it, those of you who've paid attention... To our relationship with Azer Mitzion since the show in Israel and since the whole September we did with them on the road and the Teaneck and the Englewood event, I, I think you're getting a sense of the of just how exciting an organization this is and just how active they are and just and just um, uh, why it's so so worth supporting their efforts going forward. So, hop on the train, hop on the train, a fast moving train of uh, of life saving potential with Azer Mitzion, because uh, they're making a tremendous uh, amount of strides here in this area, and it's not always easy to convince people to support causes that are based thousands of miles away in Israel, and they've really done it well over here. Uh, Eveningofheroes.com, eveningofheroes.com. That was Dr. Yoni Ratzersdorfer, one of the chairs of the event this coming Saturday night in Teaneck, New Jersey, on behalf of Azer Mitzion. Next up is Bishop Robert Stearns. Bishop Stearns joined us uh, to discuss his most recent trip to Israel and, in general, why his Christian community is so dedicated to the state of Israel and the Zionist movement. Bishop Robert Stearns, a recent guest on JM and the AM, here he is on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. Guest of ours who we've spoken to before. And someone who is one of the most outspoken religious leaders uh, in terms of the support of Israel and Jerusalem is with us live via telephone. Bishop Robert Stearns is the founder of Eagle's Wings uh, and serves as its executive director. We had the uh, really the pleasure of um, meeting uh, Bishop Stearns down in Washington at a wonderful event that took place a couple of years ago. And I am uh, thankful we've been able to keep up a relationship and uh, in addition to that, uh thankful that um he and those that he work with that he works with continues continue to um exhibit such amazing public support for Israel. Bishop Stearns, welcome back to J M in the AM
3: Well, book Tove, as they say now. <laughs> it's great to be here and great to be with your fam your listeners and Uh, I'm a a big fan, so good to be with you today. I
0: appreciate that. Boker Tov, to you. I hope the new year has been treating you well so far. (laughs) So far, so good, my brother. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, there's so many things to discuss, and uh, as we know, and you know this better than anybody, Israel's always a target uh, for so many reasons um, uh, of so many around the world, and it seems we're always fighting some type of battle. The last time you were on, we had an opportunity to speak about BDS. Uh, to talk about um, attempts in the religious community um, by certain groups to boycott Israel, and obviously in the academic community it seems to be you know uh, the number one topic of the day. How would you say we've made progress, if, you've, if you'd agree that we have made progress, in this area over the last few months? Do you feel the BDS um, uh, efforts are, are somewhat uh, less powerful than they were, or this battle is stronger than ever?
3: Listen, it's such a strange time, isn't it? Because oh, it's yeah. kind of the best of times, worst of times. You know, you, you feel like you take uh, two steps forward, then three steps back. Right. In, in some ways, I think the BDS movement um, has gotten a- any traction that it's gotten because perhaps we who oppose it have given it too much attention. Uh, you know, in a certain sense, I, I don't. Every day you hear of new companies that are joining with Israel, you hear of new alliances that are forming. There's a lot of good news out there, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good news out there, but um, then you come across uh, certain aspects, be they uh, academic um, or otherwise, where you just scratch your head and you think, okay, we, we obviously are living in parallel universes here. Um I think that's happening around the world. I think we've got a, a, a real polarization happening here globally. And that's why my I advocate more than anything else, get people to Israel. Once you get people, you know, in the land, on the ground, and they can see for themselves the reality of the Jewish state we, we're having We uh, everything. We're, we're, we're having,
0: <clears throat> Bishop I apologize, we're having terrible problems with this phone line uh if you don't mind reconnecting with us that would be amazing and wonderful and i'd appreciate it and i'm sorry about that uh we're speaking to bishop robert stearns uh, eagles wings is the uh is the organization that he leads and uh, nobody has the connection to uh, israel in the uh, uh in the religious community the way that he does and i'm hoping that he'll reconnect in a moment uh, bishop stearns are you there I am. Oh, I that that, is better. that that is a million times better, and I thank you for your patience with that. You know, it's funny it, it, before before we uh, before before I ask that we get cut off. Uh, the l- the last thing you mentioned was travel to Israel and getting as many people as possible to see it up close and personal. This has been a real personal uh, um, um, uh, adventure for you because uh, I, I would would I, would it be accurate to say that your life changed once the physical. Land of Israel became an important part of your life?
3: Well, it's, 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 that's, that's a huge understatement. I mean, there, everyone wants to use that phrase, right? Like, it changes your life, it changes your life. Right. There are very few things that literally can change your life like a trip to Israel. Israel is somehow the touchstone of not only religious life, but your, your views on history, on global geopolitics, on human rights, uh, on values, all of these things somehow move from, you know, from black and white to color, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from 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 three G to five G. I mean, everything just changes once you're there, and so that's why we just so strongly advocate getting people to Israel and letting them see it firsthand. Our our current program, we're reaching out to young evangelical pastors whose parents and grandparents may have been real strong supporters, may have gone to Israel regularly, but that baton has not been passed to the next generation. And we see over and over again, once we get them to the land, once we get them there on the ground... Everything changes, and and a light switch goes on, and so that's why we've got to get people to Israel. You know, that's
0: funny because you would think as as we get to you know the more current generations travel so much easier and in some ways less expensive, you'd think that the the travel would just increase in someone's family. You're saying there are families out there, even, <coughs> excuse me, of evangelical leaders whose previous generations spent more time in the Holy Land.
3: I think that it's because. Um, uh, you know, it's on everybody's bucket list. Everybody says, "Oh yeah, I want to get there one right, day." Right. But these pastors who are in their twenties, they're in their thirties. They have this—they have this mental picture of kind of camels, you know, <laughs> right. camels in the desert. They don't think of high-tech Tel Aviv. <laughs> they don't think of the Israel today. And so they think to themselves, "Hey, maybe when I'm sixty or retired, I'll take a trip to the Holy Land." And we say, "No, you've got to see Israel not only for what happened there." In antiquity, not only for what happened there centuries and centuries ago, but for the miracles that are happening in Israel today. Nahum, if I can, I was just with a rabbi the other day and we were talking about this, uh, this verse in Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel talks about a day when water will flow from Jerusalem, and this water is going to flow and it'll even turn uh, salt water into fresh. That's the, the prophecy that comes. And then you look in today, what do you see? You see Israel's technology with the desalination. Yeah. I mean, this is a game changer. Miracles are happening all around us. We just have to open our eyes to see them.
0: and the people who um the people who come into uh, discussions about Israel with predispositions uh, with a uh, either a tradition or a newfound uh, dislike of israel, they they never can see that. the The positive aspects of what Israel brings to the world. And uh, and the different things that Israel's doing that are making such you know game changing uh, um, you know events happen in this world they they refuse to see it they just can't be uh, they can't be exposed with such because they have such blindness to it
3: and and we're right back to what we started with a few minutes ago which is that polarization which I think is fueled by the media yeah. in in a, in a horrific way um, and, and listen anti-Semitism is not rational. You know, anti-Semitism is a psychological disorder. Uh, that you, there's, no, there's no rational understanding for anti-Semitism. Uh, it's, it, it's a psychological disorder. We have to call it out for what it is. Uh, and we have to uh, understand that the best way to inoculate against it is to just get people to the land. Let them meet Israelis. Let them see what Israel does. And it absolutely is a game-changer for folks. Uh, and so we're—so, we're, we're so, you know, to go back to your original question, yes, I'm concerned. Uh, I'm especially concerned about um, uh, aspects where people are trying to rewrite theology and, and rewrite history. But I think that there's enough solid potential out there that if we can just turn the light switch on and get people there, get them connected— uh, it, it it it's a game changer
0: when you're uh, when your pastors and ministers that you invite from around the country to participate in these trips when they when they go ahead and do so are, are they able to come back and 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 form their own journeys with their congregations do do they come back and bring tens if not hundreds uh, of people and their families to Israel with them? One
3: of the statistics that we're most proud of uh, we've brought over three hundred pastors so far we scholarship them we underwrite the trip right. Uh, through the generosity of our donors. Right. Uh, our current statistic is that over almost 50% within 18 months bring back a mission from their church. So you go from a pastor having never gone before, never connected to Israel, to he goes back and he brings his own group within 18 months. And there's others who, you know, who go past the 18 month mark, et cetera. And every time you do that, Nahum, what happens is you're planting that Israeli flag in the heart of that local church. Because once a church takes one trip to Israel, they're going to take another and another and another. Because, it, you know, it's, it's addictive. Uh, you know, <laughs> once people are in the land, they want to
0: go back. We were, so act- we, have- we were actually conjecturing how many trips you've made, but I think you actually lived there for a while, am I right? I've lived there twice. Right. Uh, I've had the privilege of living
3: in the land twice, and I, I stopped counting about a hundred <laughs> times. Because
4: uh, I, I, I think I'm
0: a, I think I'm a big shot with the number of, tri- of trips we take. It's nothing compared to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in Israel three times this month. <laughs> oh boy! Three ti- I leave. I leave for Israel tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> amazing! Absolutely amazing. Uh, well, will this week's trip be with uh, with other religious leaders, or this is a more of a private journey?
3: No, so I just came back from leading 60 pastors on our pastor's trip. It was amazing. Wow. We had Ambassador David Friedman with us. Nice. Uh, It was an incredible, incredible uh, time. Uh, Tomorrow I'm leaving for Israel. I will be speaking, I'm one of the keynote speakers, uh, at an event called the Global Christian Media Summit, which is sponsored by the uh, Prime Minister's office, and it brings together leaders, uh, Christian leaders from media all over the world, so... Dozens and dozens and dozens of nations, uh, Christian journalists, Christian television producers, uh, those who are in all forms of media, getting them there uh, and letting them experience Israel firsthand. So I'm, I'm really blessed to be one of the keynote speakers. Uh, at that event that the Prime Minister's Office is organizing.
0: Yeah, the bulk of our listeners, as you know, are in the New York area. For some of them, it's going to be hard to believe that there is an effective global Christian media summit and market out there. But there are, as you can, <laughs> as you could attest, around this country and around the world, there are some very, very effective and large uh, Christian media outlets that are uh, that are uh, uh, not only uh, doing uh, you know what they feel is important, but including in their agenda love for Israel at the same time.
3: Well, Nahun, you raise an interesting point, because what most people don't understand, and maybe what some American evangelicals don't want to admit, is that the epicenter of evangelicalism, I believe, is no longer America. Uh, The epicenter of evangelicalism is now Asia, Latin America, and Africa. Uh, Last week I was in South Korea. South Korea is now 30% evangelical. Uh, I preached at the largest church in the world last week in Seoul, Korea. Wow. Yoido Full Gospel Church. 800,000 members in one local church. They have a, a sanctuary that seats 40,000. They have 18 services over a weekend.
0: Did you preach in and English? You preached in English? No, I preached in English, yes. I preached in
3: English. <laughs> but uh, you see this love for Israel. If you go to Israel right now, the streets are filled with uh, with Chinese, right. uh, the evangelical. There's over a hundred million evangelicals in China. Uh, if you are an Israeli guide who speaks Mandarin, you have incredible job security right now. <laughs> right, that's because right. Because <laughs> yeah, there's just they can't find Mandarin speaking guides. So Korea, China, Brazil. I'm going to Brazil in February. Uh, Brazil now has 70 million evangelicals in the nation of Brazil. They make me look, you know, uh, lame in my support of Israel. These the, the Brazilians are crazy for Israel. Israeli flags everywhere, constantly getting on planes and heading over there. So the Jewish people and the Jewish state has friends all over the world. Global Christian Zionism, we have to remember as a movement, is only about 35 or 40 years old, right, right? right, Like the modern Zionist movement, we can trace back to Basel in right. 1897.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So you've got, you know, you've got, uh, what is that, 125 years? Right. Uh, modern Christian Zionism, I would argue, really launched with the launch of the Christian celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, which just is, I think this is its 39th year. So we're finally getting our act together. We're catching up with you guys in terms of organization (laughs) and and knowing how to be effective. Um, But Israel has incredible friends around the world. We stand with you unconditionally. Uh, We stand with you wholeheartedly. Nothing will ever separate us from Israel or the Jewish people. And uh, so I believe there's great days ahead.
0: Well, it's one of the reasons that we love having you on. I think it's important for this audience to know that there are some very important friends out there. And as you say, uh, you're you're just getting, uh, you know, your foothold in after 39 years. And I think our community is starting to get used to it as well. You know, it, it takes a long time for the Jewish community to actually believe they have friends out there. <laughs> so we're, we we also need to be reminded as often as possible. Listen, this is a conversation two thousand
3: years in the making, right? I mean, we're you know we should stop and do a shechaynu right now <laughs> because for two thousand years we haven't had a conversation like this.
0: No question about but, it.
3: Baruch Hashem, it's happening now, and uh, and we're going to learn, we're going to grow, we're going to we're going to make some mistakes. There'll be a little speed bump here and there, uh, but we're going to get it right. And Israel is going to be the or hakoyim uh, that Isaiah said it would be, and Jerusalem will dwell, please God. Israel HaShem, in peace and security and safety.
0: Amen to that. Bishop, thank you. Good luck this week in Israel, and thanks so much for these conversations. It's much appreciated.
3: Nahum, you're the best. You do a great service, not only to the Jewish community, but to all of us. And uh, so continue on. Chazak
0: Thank you so much. There he is, uh, Bishop Robert Sturds, eagle's wings. He's heading back to Israel. And like I say, it's important. We hear this message as often as possible. And remember, there's some very, very important friends of ours that are on the front lines. Not all of us are on the front lines, but they're important friends of ours around the world who are on the front lines in the battle for Israel. That was my conversation with Bishop Robert Stearns, a recent guest of ours on JM and the AM. Next up on JM Rewind is Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul. She is the Lieutenant Governor of the State of New York and recently joined us on JM and the AM to discuss anti-Semitism and other important topics. Lieutenant Governor of the State of New York, Kathy Hochul, a recent guest of ours on JM&AM. Here she is on JM Rewind at the Malcolm Siegel Network. Well, as we mentioned, uh, the lieutenant governor of a New York State joining us this morning here at JM&AM. Many important things going on, especially vis-a-vis our community. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, who has served in that position, uh, lieutenant governor of the state of New York since 2015, is with us live via telephone on this Thursday morning. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, a pleasure to welcome you to JM and the AM.
6: Well, thank you very much, Mark. I'm very happy to be on your show today.
0: I appreciate that. It is no secret that uh, there was a um, unfortunately a- an important uh, anniversary that took place this past Sunday, and that is the uh, first anniversary of the uh, massacre in Pittsburgh, the Tree of Life Synagogue. I know you were part of um, uh, of what New York City did to commemorate that day. What was it like at the Central Synagogue? in New York City this past Sunday with those events fresh in everyone's mind?
6: I have to tell you, it was a very powerful experience to be able to address a group of people who came from all faiths to stand with the Jewish community, and the lighting of candles by people from all around the world and representing different faiths. I think it was a sense of unity that was so necessary at this point, where sometimes members of the Jewish community feel that they're in this fight alone, and that is the feeling we want to make sure goes away forever. That we are united, particularly in the state of New York, where Governor Cuomo and I we, we so respect uh, the contributions of the Jewish community. They have made New York City the city that it is. So I would say that was an experience that really touched my heart as I left there feeling even stronger, united. And I think that's what a lot of people felt as well. But the, obviously, the anniversary was very sad. The faces of the victims. Uh, were shown on a screen, talked about their lives, and just a profound sense of loss for all of us.
0: You know the, um, and I very much appreciate you being there and, and what you said there and what you're saying here about that day. Um, uh, but you know, because because of recent episodes, because of a certain a certain discomfort that members of the community have been feeling recently, that uh, that we did not feel, um, you know, a while ago. In New York, Um, there's been special attention being paid to anti-Semitism and different episodes that are taking place to the point where the um, where the the governor of New York actually called uh, for the uh, state police hate crimes task force to step things up and to exhibit the zero tolerance policy uh, that New York State has toward these types of episodes. Um, What can you tell us, our community? about how New York State leadership is reacting to what's going on and the way that the New York State uh, police and special task forces are dealing with the problem?
6: Well, this is something we have to deal with aggressively. Um, more than half the hate crimes in New York City overall have been, have been anti-Semitic, and those crimes are up over 63% just compared to last year. So it's something something very sinister and evil is going on here where people feel... At liberty to assault someone on a street corner or to disparage, uh, you know, to desecrate a synagogue with Nazi symbols. So we are in a new era. And Governor Cuomo, as he always does, has stepped up and said, there is no hate in our state. That is intolerable. And so he has activated the New York State Police Hate Crimes Task Force. And I'm sad to report that you know, it seems like a week doesn't go by where he hasn't has, had to have them go and investigate. A crime but I want people to know that they are out there uh, pursuing every single lead so we can catch the perpetrators and make sure that they never do it again but also with respect to this a visible presence at yeshivas particularly around the holidays and the holy days and making sure that people feel secure when they go to synagogues to worship and even expanding our we have a, a grant called securing communities against hate crimes grant right. 25 million dollars is available to help uh, Not for profits and residential camps. So I'm, it's sad to report that our hate crimes task force has been very busy, but they didn't even exist before. And that's just another indication of Governor Cuomo's strong commitment to uh, fighting this scourge and putting an end to it. Truly, people deserve to live and worship in the freedom of their communities without fear of. Of being spoken to negatively or physically assaulted.
0: Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, Lieutenant Governor of the State of New York, is with us live via telephone. You know, the truth is, I should I should have started this conversation by giving you uh, on to to accept on behalf of uh, of the governor and, uh, and and New York State uh, leadership uh, a thank you because, relatively speaking, thank God, the holiday season has just ended in a relatively peaceful manner and uh, and with all the ho- the help that's been given to our community by the governor's office and other government officials, Uh, we were able to make it through in a a glorious fashion, I would say. And I I hope you had an opportunity to experience some of of the glory and beauty of the Jewish holiday season over the last month.
6: Oh, absolutely. I was in Crown Heights a number of times (laughs) at various rabbis' homes and... Uh, enjoying the holidays and, and just, you know, just having, spending time together, and especially at the conclusion of the holidays, we had a wonderful event, and I just want to say, uh, everyone has made me feel so welcome, and always has, when I'm walking the streets in New York, and just, you know, having a chance to interact with the Jewish community, and I would just say I feel the warmth, and, I, and Governor Cuomo does as well, we, we truly, uh, really, Really value the relationship that we have, which is why we, we do what we do in New York. But also, the governor has gone to Israel. I think more than any other country, he's been there at least three times, including just this past June, right. to do an economic mission, but also just to reinforce our solidarity.
0: You know, it's funny you have a you have a unique situation. You um, uh, you, you, you have you have the uh, the the pleasure. I would I would hope of uh, leading a state that is so diverse with hundreds of ethnic groups with uh, with with completely different types of neighborhoods and regions who knows that better than yourself you know so, someone like yourself who's so familiar with upstate new york and such a diverse population and i guess the goal is to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible. You mentioned just a few minutes ago about the role the Jewish community has had in building this city, and, and I, I think that role continues to expand and grow, and I would think that both the Jewish community and, and other communities, all you want is to see them have a positive influence on the residents of both New York City and New York State.
6: Absolutely, and not live in fear. Right. That's the most important thing. In government, we have a responsibility to protect the health, safety, and welfare of all of our citizens, and when one particular group is under siege or under attack, that's when 20 million New Yorkers stand together. And that's what I spoke about at Central Synagogue, that, that people need to know that they are not alone. And all over the state of New York, I, I attended a beautiful event just a couple weeks ago in my hometown of Buffalo to launch the United Jewish Appeal. And very powerful speakers and motivating people just to think beyond their own religious beliefs and come together and short and support this cause which which lifts up people all over the world and so there I hope people feel that there are negative incidents, but on balance, I would say that. You know, we we so treasure uh, uh, members of the Jewish community what they do in New York City, but all over the state, there are very active synagogues, even in areas you wouldn't expect, and, mm. and the upstate communities as well. And and that's an important part of the fabric of every one of these these communities. Yeah. So we cherish that and we protect it. And again, this is it, it is an honor to represent, as you say, a very diverse state, New York City has uh, more Jews outside of any, anywhere outside of Israel, but also has more Chinese anywhere other than asia and so it 's fascinating to see this confluence where people do live and work together peacefully and i don 't think that would occur in any other part of the world it 's really in our DNA as new yorkers and that 's what the Statue of Liberty stands for uh, whether you came here from any part of the world you came during World War one, World War two my grandparents came and left poverty extreme poverty in ireland and It all worked out, and it's a beautiful experiment that we have to protect because there are so many forces out there that are trying to take down our democracy from outside and within, and that's that's the beauty of New York.
0: And it's one of the reasons why we turn to New York state leadership to lead on this issue because, uh, as you point out, with all the different, uh, the hundreds of ethnic groups, I mean, everybody's a target. Everybody's a potential target of hate. Everyone's a potential target of discrimination. And, uh, and therefore, because of the situation in this state and because of its diversity, it's so important that state leadership take a very strong role for, for other states and other leaders to follow, hopefully, uh, when it comes to um, uh, guaranteeing everyone's safety in this area. What, what do you think of, um, of the melting pot that New York's going to be this coming Sunday when, when so many countries are represented on the uh, 26-mile course of the New York City Marathon?
6: It's an exciting time. Again, the photos from that and the coverage of it, it, it's just a reminder of why the state is so fascinating, and that people feel comfortable coming from all over, and some it may be their first time ever, and and people just, they're in awe of New York City. They truly are, and I'm proud of that fact, that uh, we stand out as a beacon of hope for others, but also a place you can congregate and live together. Shoulder to shoulder, community to community, and enjoy fantastic sporting events like the marathon. So it's uh, going to be a little crazy with the traffic, I know, yep. but uh, we always adapt. We're, we're tough, we're resilient. And again, it is such an honor to be able to represent this state. And Governor Cuomo feels the same way that the, you, we, we take public service very seriously. This is a privilege that is given to us by the voters, and we have to earn it every single day. And the opportunity to represent jewish community and get to develop deep friendships uh has been a very special part of that
0: no question about that hey what's more fun serving in congress or serving as lieutenant governor of new york
6: oh i can easily answer that one uh, as someone who actually likes to get things accomplished get things done and work with someone who's so bold and aggressive like governor Cuomo, i would have to say uh, hands down it's lieutenant governor it was a privilege to serve in congress i represent uh, i 'm a Democrat and they, it was a very conservative area, which I think will go very strongly for uh president trump 's reelection so it 's uh not uh, the values I espouse, but they were good people hard working many farmers uh dairy farmers, and uh, small communities so it was a privilege but Uh, When I have the option to choose between one or the other, uh, be able to represent uh, New York City all the way up to the Canadian border and over to Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, it is an extraordinary, extraordinary privilege. And I love being Lieutenant Governor. And Governor Cuomo has done so much for the state to be able to be a partner with him in lifting up people out of poverty and putting in more affordable housing for people and um, taking care of our airports. He just made a major announcement about opening a wing at LaGuardia. He takes on the bold initiatives that others have been uh never never embraced and that's what we do. So I think I answered that question. I, I love being Lieutenant Governor.
0: You know, and um, so, so so when things move really slowly at the United States House of Representatives, none of that shocks you.
6: <laughs> oh, no, I sat there. You wait. You sit there and wait for hours and hours, and it's time for the vote to come, and the debate goes on. And meanwhile, I could be out there, you know, helping communities. You know, in Brooklyn, we have this vital Brooklyn initiative to help eradicate poverty and eliminate food deserts and, and just take care of people in the most basic way. And so... On any given day, I felt I feel much more productive as a lieutenant governor, and and again, our slogan is just get things done, and we've done that over the last few years. You know, it's funny. I'm, way that I'm proud of.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned Laguardia because it, and it, and obviously, it could be frustrating. It's it's a big construction project, and obviously, it can be frustrating for those who regularly travel through there now. But it is pretty. It's pretty nice going by there now and seeing you know real progress made. It, it's 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 encouraging. To to you know that the progress is now noticeable to those who uh, who drive by and 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 pass by Laguardia at this point. So there's a, there's a lot of hope at the end of this project.
6: For sure, that I'm in Laguardia probably four or five times a week. I think I'm flying back in again Sunday, and uh, you know it's it is amazing to see that it's happening. You know, not just in our lifetime, but literally in a, just a few short years. And that's because the governor just really leaned into that project, and you know he gets his hands dirty. He loves fixing the subways and putting up bridges like the Tappan and Z, uh, largest infrastructure project in our country, but also tackling the airports. Or even Penn Station. My gosh, what a challenge that is and uh, he's going to make that be something we're all so proud of.
0: Well, he impressed us with the Kosciuszko Bridge or pronounce it any way you want, but it it's cut about 10 minutes off of any trip I take to and from Queens frankly, <laughs> and I'm on that road a lot and by the way, 10 minutes makes a big difference when you're dealing with a regular, you know, 90-minute commute or whatever the case may be. And you sometimes ask yourself, and I'm being serious about this, why can't all these projects be done with that speed? We were we were shocked that we saw the beginning of that project and just a couple of months later, you know, we, we saw it come to fruition.
6: I think you just have to chalk it up to leadership. I mean, everyone has the ability to do that. You know, his predecessors. Uh, again, the Tappan v. Bridge was talked about for thirty years,
5: yeah, that's and true. he got
6: that done in a few years. And so, I think it's when you make a bold decision, a bold proclamation, you're going to get something done. But then you just don't leave it to other people and hope that it finishes on time and under budget you literally go in there and look at the plans and you go on site and the governor was just in Penn Station a couple of days ago you know surveying the work i remember uh, the 2nd avenue subway at midnight he was down there saying why aren't there more workers during the midnight shift we're trying to get this done so it's just an example of the power of personality and i'm the same kind of person i'm very impatient just like the <laughs> governor is and you know we have a finite time to serve the public it's up to them how long we serve our voters and you know, we, we honor that, that responsibility by really a major accomplishment, setting high goals to getting them done as soon as humanly possible.
0: All right, I can't thank you enough. And we heard uh, about your role this past Sunday and uh, the statements made on behalf of the Jewish community. And I think you're right. When you make statements on behalf of the Jewish community, you're making statements on behalf of all communities of New York, frankly, because you'll be out there for, for anybody who's uh, uh, the target of any haters out there. So a big thank you to you, and I thank you so much for joining us this morning and a continued success in your role as Lieutenant Governor.
6: Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation, Doc. I hope to be on again.
0: I appreciate that. Lieutenant Governor of New York, uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, serving as Lieutenant Governor since 2015 and uh, joining us again on the heels of this um, a really important first anniversary that was commemorated in New York City, as you heard her describe, uh, the anniversary of the Pittsburgh Massacre of uh, one year ago. And again, we thank Lieutenant Governor for her public statements and her stand, and we thank her for joining us this morning. That was my conversation with Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, who joined us on a recent edition of JM in the AM. My thanks, all of you, for tuning in to JM Rewind. Make sure to listen into to JM in the AM every single weekday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. Eastern time, and listen to JM Rewind at this time each and every week. Thanks for listening to the Nachum Segal Network.
4: A balia de ga, Altak mitna, mitzvah, a balia de ga, tak miten, oh mitzvah, a balia de ga, a balia de ga, Altach mitena, mitzvah, a balijada ga, Altak mit zijn, mit spa, balia de ka, a balia de ga, Alta mitena, mit'spa, balia de mitzvah. I'll take you to the The gun, I'll talk, meet the no. I So don't delay, and I